Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio. I am Brian Hefty, live in the Morton studio. Today in the show, we're going to talk a little about plant growth regulators and plant growth hormones. But if you've got anything that you would like to discuss, anything happening on your farm, you got any questions for us, we'd love to talk to you. The number is 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. Or you can email us, radio at agphd.com. Oh, you can also find us on Twitter, agphdmedia or Brian Hefty. So I'm not sure if my brother Darren's going to be calling in at all today. Janelle, maybe you want to check with him, but uh, I think he's on his way back here. Should be back in studio with us tomorrow. But I was just going to let you know something that we did on our farm today that I honestly have never done before. I got hail insurance. <laughs> and for 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 if you're listening, you might say, well, I get hail insurance every year, or I have multi-parallel or whatever. We haven't had crop insurance on our farm in I don't even know, five years, eight years, something like that. We just figured we're spread out enough. We're not spread out that much, but we're spread out enough, and we're willing to take the risk. It wasn't that big a deal for us. But now, with crop prices today and our yield potential, at least on corn, we're taking hail insurance on on corn acres because when I start running the math and I go, hmm, I can get $8 or just about for our corn because we're taking it early, and I got yield potential of at least 230 maybe 250 I'm going, wait a second here. <laughs> I got the potential for a couple thousand dollars an acre, and we've got the most corn acres we've ever had on our farm. We get about 2,300 corn acres. So I'm running the math quick in my head, and I'm going, hmm, a, a big hailstorm really wouldn't make me very happy. <laughs> so anyway, I'm not in here to endorse hail insurance or tell you not to do it. I'm just telling you we did at least on our farm for the first time and uh, we just did it on our corn acres. So anyway, we've had a lot of crazy storms this year and I just, I don't know, I, I, I guess I just thought I'd let you know a little insight on some things that we're doing on our own farm here. All right, so again, we'll talk today about plant growth regulators and plant growth hormones, but right now we're going to get to the Ag PhD mailbag. It's the mailbag! Oh, uh, also it looks like uh, Darren is joining us even for the first segment here. Darren, how's it going? Not too bad. All right, so first question is from Brian in Kansas. He says, I got a soybean emergence problem. I put on a low rate of fertilizer in furrow, three gallons of low salt fertilizer. Uh, including, uh, let's see, it'd be a pint of boron. There's also a little bit of a blended a blend of micronutrients and some iron. Plus, pre-emerge, there was Outlook, Zidua, glyphosate, and dicamba applied and then immediately watered in with an inch of rain on that field. And their extend beans there were 10 ounces of dicamba put on. So my question is, is the dicamba part of the culprit on why my stand is bad? Uh, Brian, no, I really do not believe so because you got extend beans. So I'm not worried about the dicamba at all. What I am worried about is two things. Number one, overload of group 15 because you said outlook and zidua. So I don't know what rates, you didn't give me the rates, but if you doubled up on that, now we got a problem. I don't like group 15s at all pre-emerge. I will never put them on my farm pre-emerge, okay? I'm soybeans. On soybeans. On soybeans. I will use them early post. That's great. 
but I do not like them pre. I've had this issue with just group 15 pre. Not anything else, just group 15 had stand issues. Not often, but I've had it. Okay, uh, and then my other concern is boron inferral. Well, plus three gallons. In, I don't care how low assault that product is. I'm not a proponent of three gallons in furrow. And I'm not saying you can't do it because you might get by, especially when you're able to go and irrigate it and put water on. And a lot of times it'll be fine. But it's just one of those things where I just think about this spring. It was cold and we had lots and lots of issues because of that cold weather. So I was talking to an agronomist yesterday. Uh, so Darren, just so you know, I was talking to Rob Fritz yesterday. He's been on our, our show a few times. And Rob was just telling me, he goes, Brian, I've looked at soybeans all over. I haven't seen one field that is even halfway as good. He said, they're all junk. He said, it's the worst stand of soybeans I've ever seen ever. And I don't care what the brand is. I don't care what the herbicide was. I don't care if it was no-till, strip-till, conventional. He said, it's all junk. He said, I'm looking at a lot of stuff that's 50,000 population. That's, I'd say, my average. <laughs> I go, what? It's that bad? He goes, yeah, it's, it's a disaster out there. And he said, I'm telling guys, at 50,000, I wouldn't replant. Now, for me, my cutoff's always been 80,000. And so if, let's say, I had 50 or 40 or 30,000 out there, would I tear the stand up? Probably not. I'd most likely just do some interseeding. What's your thought, Darren? You got any more input on this question? Well, you know, the double up of group 15s is what alarms me the most. Yep. But yes, definitely. The, the fertilizer thing, I, I know that, that definitely can be an issue, and I have seen it where, especially with low gallons, I would up that and put 10 gallons of total solution yes. on and have water with it because otherwise – you get those concentrated droplets. They can actually take out one seed at a time, but they're still getting emergence a month later. Yep. And if fertilizer would have been the culprit, it would have already done the deal. It would have been dead. So I, I just feel like the group 15 is a big deal in yep. this one. And yep. And the cold so, weather. And here and here we go. We're in June, and at June 10th, do I really want to replant? I don't know. Nope, I'm with you. Okay, uh, we've got just a little bit of time. Let me get to one more question here from Diego. He says, I'm not sure how much seed I need to plant for winter wheat. Uh, there's a lot more information out there on corn and beans than there is for wheat. What seeding rate do you recommend? Uh, well, I would just say we go by plants per acre. So if you look at Eric Watson, the world record holder, he only planted 400,000 plants per acre. Now, granted, he had 4 million tillers eventually per acre. On our farm, we're usually going for about 1.5 million seeds per acre. Darren, got any other thoughts? Yeah, I, you're gonna be you're gonna be a million plus unless you yes. have put the work in, like Eric Watson has, to figure out how to make more tillers and have them all mature at the same time. Yep, definitely. All right, so again, today we'll talk a little about plant growth regulators and plant growth hormones. We'll get to that right after this here on Ag PhD Radio. Boost your productivity and profitability with Soil Warrior from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and your yield potential in just one strip-till pass. Now that's ROI. Contact us today at SoilWarrior.com. Downtime during spraying can lead to huge yield losses. Keep rolling with the Pentair Hypro Force Field. This pump features a unique self-regulated chamber that allows the pump to run dry while eliminating cracked seals, so you can spray longer and more reliably. Learn more at pentair.com hypro. 
This is Stormy Fields with your weather forecast. Today calls for a high of 68 degrees with sunny skies and not a cloud in sight. Planting windows can close fast, so when you need both speed and accuracy, choose John Deere. Our exact emerge planters and precision ag technologies give you precise seed placement for uniform emergence and the efficiency you need to gain ground. See what you have to gain at johndeere.com slash gain ground. Warehouse, what can we do for you? Yeah, I'm looking for some nitrogen. All right, we're running low and it's awful pricey, but uh, let me check. Hold. The answer to low supply and high prices for nitrogen is Invita, a microbe with systemic nitrogen fixation. Invita works throughout the foliage and roots, providing a right place, right time source of nitrogen to maximize yield in corn, wheat, and soybeans. Yeah, we're all out, but... You know what? I'll take some of that Invita. <laughs> That's what I was going to recommend. Book your Invita while supplies last. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. Brian Hefty here, live in the Morton studio, just talking about plant growth regulators and plant growth hormones. First on the show, we've got Eric Ott with us. He is with Valent. Eric, how are you today? Doing all right. How are you? Fantastic. All right. So with Valent, I know you have a lot of these, I think you call them, is it uh, Biorationals? Or, or what's your, what's the name of your division that you've got uh, when we start talking about all these uh uh, the, these biological things. Yes, you, you have it right, biorationals. Yep. So what are maybe the top two or three things you're talking to farmers and agronomists about with that portion of your business? Yeah, so uh, for, for the most part, a lot of these biorationals are used in the tree fruit crops where uh, they're, they're used to manipulate uh, tree growth. Uh, however, at the same time, in the row crops like wheat and corn, uh, we're trying to stimulate growth uh, with a product like Rise Up Smartgrass Gibberellic Acid. Yeah, Rise Up is something we used on all of our corn at about V2, V3, because most of our corn is going for silage, and we want more tonnage out there. So we've used this for years both in corn and then in pastures as well. So tell us just a little bit more about that and where you see the best fit. Right. So, uh, yeah, Rise Up Smart Grass is gibberellic acid. Uh, it uh, works, that plant hormone works on uh, cell enlargement. And so you're, you're going to be looking for increased uh, cell size. And so you're going to get bigger cells. And so... Where we promote it, like you just mentioned, uh, with silage corn, I, I feel like in our even in our small plot trials, I feel like we, we see good yield responses without uh, uh, reduction in quality well, uh, like targeting that V2 to V4, V5 timing. And uh, in pastures, we target that 
in the early spring or the late fall trying to extend that growing season, either start grazing earlier in the spring or continue to graze later in the fall. Back a few years ago, just as an example of this on the Rise Up, we sprayed a field right behind our Ag PhD field day site. It's the same variety of corn we had all across the field day site. People are like, whoa, what'd you do to this corn? It's a foot taller. <laughs> I go, yeah, it wasn't that tough. We just sprayed a few dollars worth of Rise Up. It's no big deal. But, I, I mean, we haven't gotten the yield gain out of that, but we have absolutely gotten the tonnage gain. And I just think about how much corn is cut for silage around the country. And I also think about how we used to do it on our farm is we took our worst looking corn and that's what we cut for silage. But anymore, when we're working with a lot of these big dairies and livestock people, I mean, they don't want the junk. They want the best stuff. So now we're actually taking our best acres, putting rise up on there and trying to get more tonnage. So it's just a tremendous amount and just better overall feed quality that they end up getting. Yeah, Absolutely. So anything else you wanted to add today, Eric? Uh, anything else you want to talk about with your biorationals, PGRs, plant growth hormones? Yeah, I, and knowing how small a lot of the corn is around the country, uh, you know, it, even, even if you're, yeah, I, I'd, I'd start thinking about uh, Rise Up uh, now. Uh, just, I, I'm here in Ohio right now, and we, we have, there's corn here between, you know, just coming out of the ground to V5 and like, oh, it's already the middle of June. And uh, so <laughs> yes. I, I think the time, the time is now. Yeah, they always used to say around our area, knee-high corn by the 4th of July. Well, typically in a good year, we've been getting knee-high corn by the 4th of June, certainly by the 9th of June. What's the 9th of June? And I mean, we planted a bunch of our corn way back in mid-April, and it's not even five inches, five, six inches tall. So (laughs) it's got a long ways to go to that knee-high thing. And uh, yeah, the the rise-up absolutely can help boost that growth. Hey, Eric, great talking to you today. Thanks a lot. We really appreciate the time. Again, that's Eric Ott with Valent. Yeah, thank you. You bet. All right, let's go next to Maryland. we got Temple Rhodes on with us. He is with Extreme Ag. Temple, how are you today? I'm great. How are you, Brian? Excellent. So you farm out in that Chesapeake Bay area with a lot of government regulations. How do you do that with sure. uh, with all that government involvement out there? So, um, you know, we're talking about PGRs here today. Yep. I'll, I'll give you a baseline. So basically we're in a Chesapeake Bay watershed. We're 45, 50 minutes away from Baltimore, Washington, D.C., and uh, only 25 minutes away from Annapolis, our state capital, Philadelphia. So we're surrounded by, um, you know, a, a, a big sprawl, and all eyes are on us. Beans that we're on the Chesapeake Bay, they yep. watch everything that we do. Definitely. So what we have been doing for years, we've been pulling with PGRs for, oh, I'm going to go back 12 to 15 years. And we, we had a lot of problems with it in the past, beings that we didn't know exactly where to use it and how to utilize it. But what we're learning is with all the research that we're doing, doing you know, in extreme ag and individual farmers as well, we're learning a program. And every farmer has a successful program. Some of these PGRs are a very easy add-on to increase yield and reduce the stress. And also 
uptake more nutrients. So for us, my program is this. In furrow, we use a PGR, which is a two-strain PGR, which is MegaGrow. We use MegaGrow. In furrow, we build roots, and we uptake as much nutrients as possible because we're already withheld of how many we can uptake or how many we can put out anyway, right. especially, yep. for, especially for phosphorus. Yep. So we're trying to grow that root zone. We're building the factory. Okay. And then we come back in, and when we make our herbicide pay us, we are also adding in, and I, this is, might be taboo, and some people might disagree with this, but we also put MegaGrow in our herbicide payas with Roundup. A okay. couple things are going on there with MegaGrow. We, we don't ever want our factory to shut down. And yep. as soon as we put a glyphosate on there, we have a manganese deficiency. Manganese adds to our photosynthesis and our respiration, but we can actually get a 72-hour shutdown by putting some of this stuff on, whether it's corn or beans, it doesn't matter. You get that shutdown. Well, wouldn't you like to buy three extra days of during your growing season? Yep. I would. Yep. So I don't want to ever do that. So we, we use it in a herbicide pass. And then our third time that we use our PGR is in our fungicide reproductive stage. Uh, we use a three-screen um, version. Uh, we actually use inertia. Um, it's got cytokinin, GABA, and chlorine um, chloride. And the reason we do this is because it helps with the chlorophyll, it helps with pod fill, it helps with pollen ret um, retention, and it also alleviates a little bit of tip back. So we're using this. This is a program. And these are all periods where most farmers already have a program already. This is just an addition to put in the package that you're already putting out there to increase yield and reduce stress and promote more things that you didn't even know was going on within the plant. We got about 30 seconds left, Temple. Real quick, you mentioned problems in the past. Is there anything specific that you did in the past that was a disaster? Yeah, we, when we first started with gibberellic acids years and years ago, we didn't know exactly where to put it at and we were putting it in in the wrong stages and i think what's really important is finding the right products to put in the right stage in order to promote the most yield what stage were you applying it we were actually applying it in furrow and we oh. were getting the problem of it was coming out of the ground and it was aggressive and it was crazy. And we were like, Oh my God, look at this, look at this, look at this. Yeah. But it was growing so fast. It wasn't growing the roots. And what was happening was is that corn would be the first stuff that would roll up in a heat oh, every yep. time. Yep. Interesting. So we got away from that. We've been talking with Temple Rhodes from out in Maryland. Temple, this was great stuff. Really appreciate hearing what you're doing out there to be successful. Thanks a lot for being on the show. Hope, hope to talk to you again soon. Yep, thanks, Brian. Thanks you, so much. You bet. All right, stay tuned. we got a special guest coming on next. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Take a second and listen. You hear that? That's the sound of your roots growing where they've never gone before. There are additional nutrients and water in your soil, hidden in tough-to-reach spaces. With MycoApply Endoprime, hyphae attach to the root hairs to reach small areas inaccessible to big roots, even some that are tied up in the soil. 
Applied in furrow at planting, MycoApply Endoprime uses four, four unique species of mycorrhizal fungi to go where roots can't. Unlock the potential of your corn crop with MycoApply Endoprime, and by nurturing your soil today, you're helping to ensure future harvest will be just as bountiful. For more information, talk to your local retailer or visit valent.com endoprime. Always read and follow label instructions. Come to the Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event this summer. Here at Ag PhD, we're always looking for ways to support and encourage folks entering the ag industry. That's why we're devoting a full day, Saturday, June 25th, to the free Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event. Though this day is geared towards high school and college students as well as young farmers, anyone with a desire to learn more about agronomy is more than welcome. Our hands-on sessions in the field will include a comprehensive guide to scouting, ways to improve soil and crop health, the role of natural microbes in farming, and how to best collect and manage on-farm data. Plus, we're giving away tens of thousands of dollars in scholarships to eligible attendees. So whether you're a college student or just want some good agronomy information, this is one event you won't want to miss. It's the Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships Day, Saturday, June 25th on the Hefty Farm near Baltic, South Dakota. Learn more and register at agphd.com. Maximum application flexibility. Maximum yields at harvest, whether or not. Relentless is the kind of control you'll always get with Anthem Max Herbicide from FMC. Low use rate Anthem Max Herbicide protects corn and soybean crops from the toughest broadleaf weeds and grasses, including water hemp, palmer pigweed, foxtails, crabgrass, and more. Dual modes of action and lasting overlapping residuals also help you minimize resistance in your fields. Its easy to tank mix formulation and wide application window make Anthem Max Herbicide the crop protection choice that's ready when you are. Rain or shine. Weather or not, relentless. That's Anthem Max Herbicide from FMC. Visit your FMC retailer or ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow all label directions. Thanks for tuning in today to Ag PhD Radio. I'm Brian Hefty, broadcasting from the Morton studio. I'm pleased to be joined next by our good friend, Kip Cullors, tremendous farmer from down in Missouri. Kip, how are you today? I'm doing pretty good. It's not raining. Or it rained a little bit this morning, but have you had excessive rain? Here. Yeah. Oh yeah, we had over 12 inches in May, and then I don't know we've had about five in here first part of June. So yeah, we've been pretty wet. Yep. Well, that's about as much as we've had in the last two years total. So uh, <laughs> a little bit different conditions down there. How's your crop look overall, though? Well, you know, the corn if it's on sloping ground looks pretty good, but boy, if it's on flat ground, I mean, you know. You know what the wet holes look like, and it don't matter if you got tile or not. There's just no place for the water to go, and we haven't had any big rains. They just been them four, five tenths, you know, every other day, sure. and just keeping us wet. Yeah, and uh, the weed looked phenomenal for the longest time, but it didn't feel right to me. Cool, cloudy days, and you know, you got weed out there should make hundred. Looks like it make hundred twenty bushels, and it's probably gonna make sixty or seventy. Yeah. Yep. 
Well, fortunately, at least we have a good wheat price this year, so that helps a little bit. But yeah, it's kind of disappointing when things look good and then you just you, you can't make anything of it because of the weather. So our topic today is PGRs and plant growth hormones. So do you have any insight for us or anything you do different when you do see weather like this? Is there anything you found that can help? Yeah, so uh, we do the on the corn and soybeans both. I mean, Anytime you can run some gerboic acid out there, you know, in these kind of conditions, I mean, it 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 basically causes all the it it utilizes sunlight, and you know, that's probably when they work the best. To be honest with you, um, you know, it just keeps the machine running. I guess you could say. Now, in our wheat, uh, a lot of our wheat to get too tall, so we we do the opposite. We use it. Uh, GA blocker on it to keep it getting tall to keep it standing. So, do you, do you use like palisade or anything like that, or, or what? What are you talking about in wheat as a GA blocker? So we'd use we'd use palisade yeah. to uh, keep it from you know getting it stiffens the stock up and keeps it from going down. You got to be really careful with it. Timing's about everything on that. Uh, you put it on too quick, or or if it's too cool, or or, I mean, there's all kinds of things. You're kind of playing in fire. I mean, you can knock 15, 20 bushels acre off if you miss the timing on it or if you put it on too late. Yep. So, uh, oh, oh, we found that out the hard way ourselves, Kip. So, yep, I, I'm with you. We sprayed some uh, some Palisade on some oats, I'm going to say just a week ago. I think we got the timing right this time. But, yeah, it, it, it it's a little bit fussy. you got to be a little careful. Yeah, I think cool wet weather is probably uh, – the hardest on you if you if you we we put it on one time when it was pretty cool man it just it almost streaked the field hmm. all right well hopefully that does doesn't happen for us everything looks good so far so we'll see how it pans out okay so what what else are you doing on your farm or what other what other thoughts do you have for us on pgrs plant growth hormones any of that kind of stuff yeah so they uh so we, you know, we raise a lot of green beans, and and uh, we'll use a GA3 on our green beans, you know, about the fourth trifoliate. And holy cow, I mean, these things. What the the green bean guys always say is that that uh, I'm causing these green beans to do stuff they've never seen before. It makes the leaves lots lots bigger, uh, thicker leaves. Uh, our leaf size would be twice the size of normal. Um, and we use pretty good rates on them. And then we'll also, we'll run that in furrow to try to get them things out of the ground because they're really, really finicky about wanting to come up, especially in cool, wet soil conditions. We we can see usually a two-day, 48-hour quicker emergence on our green beans with them. Wow. Now, we are really, really cautious on our soybeans because our soybeans get too tall. We don't ever use them on our soybeans because um, all they do is get cause them to add about a foot to them, which is just enough to cause them to fall over and lodge, and and there's another thing that causes your yield to go down, too much yep. of a good thing. Yep. So yeah, wouldn't it be nice, though, if we could get exactly what you're talking about, bigger leaves on the soybeans without getting such excessive growth that they don't go down? So I, I assume you're you're trying to figure that out yourself, aren't you? Yeah, we've been working on that for a long time. So what I've done is is, is we've used the, the gerboic acid and then come back and then try to stun them 
to shorten up the internodes. So sure. what we're trying to do with the, with the PGRs is get that bigger, thicker leaf. You know, thickness of a leaf also is just as important as the size of it. And uh, so what we're trying to do with the, with the PGRs is to get that. But then we got to come back and reverse that stem <laughs> or, you know, you just yep. elongate out that stem. And then you got, you know, it's four to six inches in between internodes, which is a total train wreck. Yep. So, yeah, it's a, that's a real fine line uh, to play right there. So... How about corn? Any other than gibberellic acid? Any other thoughts for corn? Anything else you've tried? I mean, a lot of people are looking, just like I am on our farm, we got unbelievable corn price, tremendous yield potential, and I'm thinking, is there anything else I could possibly do to boost my yield here as we get to mid-season pretty shortly? Well, so probably what you should have done maybe would have been put IBA in furrow to try to get some more root development and ground and then um you know add more nitrogen nitrogen prices come down urea's come down quite a bit yeah. so when you got corn prices high i mean you may have to spend a little bit more but you know it's almost eight bucks so yeah. you can spend a little more and uh don't try to save yourself in prosperity i guess what i'm trying to say yep no, I agree with you 100%. I mean, everybody's been complaining about fertilizer prices, myself included, but at the same time, I look at uh, what's my potential gain here? It's tremendous. So, yeah, we're just going to be starting, I think, next week doing our precidrous nitrate tests just to see what we've actually got out there for nitrogen. Do you, is that something you do on your farm? Are you testing and then and putting on nitrogen mid-season, or how do you handle your nitrogen program? Yeah, so what we did was... Uh... We put down chicken litter before we planted. Yep. And then we came back over to the top when the corn was about six inches tall. And we added a, a hundred units of actual nitrogen then. Yep. And then we had all this rain. So what do we do? We go out there about two weeks later uh, when the corn was about knee high and hit it again with another 80 units. And remember, we got the litter underneath it. Right. And then it's on soybean ground. But what I did find is Within about 72 hours, we were just dry broadcasting some in there. Yeah. And with the full intentions, we can come back later and wide drop or whatever we need to do. Sure. But within three days, this corn had got so tall, it was above the tires on the spreader buggies, which are <laughs> yep. 0.4 inch wheels. And the corn had got above that in, in 72 hours. So our nitrogen kicked in. And uh, I don't, I guess I didn't lose as much as I thought I had. So, um, you know, we had quite a bit of organic matter. And then we was paying such a huge carbon penalty this year because all of our corns no-till behind wheat, double-crop soybeans. Oh, sure. And the wheat straw was just terrible out there. So the carbon penalty on that was just horrendous. So it finally started breaking down. And, uh, you know, we did take off and start growing. So when you talk about that nitrogen penalty, the one thing that I will say is maybe that's slowed the plant down in terms of it won't get quite so tall. I mean, do you think that you lost significant yield? I, I'm sure you lost height to it, though. Yeah, and I don't care about the height. We're not going to chop it. We're going to pick it. So, sure. you know, I wasn't worried about that, but it was just it just drives you nuts when you stay there, sit there and see that stuff uh, just setting and... uh you know, not growing. You're looking at your neighbor's corn that they had been uh, yep. 
uh, on work ground, and it's like, good grief, there's a six-inch taller than mine. Well, that's so, kind of, yeah, and I, I guess I was kind of going the opposite way. I, I, I figured you were going for grain. I, I was just getting at maybe a little shorter corn is good, kind of like you talked about with soybeans, so you aren't as, as much at risk for, for wind damage. True. And, you know, we can green snap here. Not as yeah. bad as, like, you guys did or Nebraska. Yeah. But we can green snap here, which is kind of a bad deal, but... Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. I don't really like tempo. It's pretty to look at tempo. It's all corn, but it really, you know, if you can keep it about seven, you're better off. <laughs> right. All right. We've been talking with Kip Cullors. He is a great farmer down in Missouri. Kip's going to be at the Ag PhD Field Day as well. If you'd like to join us there, you can visit with Kip yourself uh, Thursday, July 28th. Kip, thanks for the time. Appreciate it. Each year brings new and unique challenges to farming, and your operation needs to constantly adapt to meet them. That's why at AgBiome, we're working every day to bring you new and better solutions, microbial-based solutions that protect your crop and help it reach its full potential. To learn more about how we're doing it, visit agbiome.com. That's A-G-B-I-O-M-E.com. AgBiome, feeding the world responsibly, partnering with microbes for human benefit. When I step on someone's farm, I feel like I've already walked a mile in their shoes. I spin spring on the tractor and fall on the combine. I see the excitement in my kids' eyes on our farm, but worry if there's enough of it for all of them. I make sure everything Case IH makes meets the challenges farmers face, because I face them too. My name is Ryan, I am a farmer, and I work at Case IH. Case IH, built by farmers. Be sure to attend the 2022 Ag PhD Field Day. I'm Darren Hefty. The Ag PhD Field Day isn't until the last Thursday in July, but we invite you to mark your calendars today for our biggest event ever. Each summer on the last Thursday in July, we invite you to attend the Ag PhD Field Day. The reason we invite farmers from across the country and around the world to our farm each summer is to say thank you. Ag PhD TV has had a brand new episode each week for 24 years, and we've been doing a radio show almost as long as well. At this year's Ag PhD Field Day, we'll have way more equipment and equipment demonstrations than we've ever had before. We've got a lot of new technologies we'll put into our research plots on site, and we'll have great family entertainment, including a kid's area, music, fantastic guest speakers, and free food and drinks all throughout the day. Please go to agphd.com to learn more, and don't forget to join us on Thursday, July 28th for the free Ag PhD Field Day. Do you have crop failures due to flooding, drought, or another event? You may need to consider a better burndown regimen. Adding just two ounces of New Farm Panther SC to your tank mix not only provides faster results, it provides residual that lasts you gain flexibility to keep your cropping options open. Ask your dealer for Panther SC and get Panther Power in your tank. It takes balance to be successful in farming because what you get out of it depends on what you put in and Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutrition and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air it's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us.
Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. I'm Brian Hefty, now joined by my brother Darren. We've been talking today about plant growth regulators and plant growth hormones. Darren, anything that you wanted to add to wrap up our discussion on that? Well, I sure liked uh, what some of the guests had to say. I, I loved that Temple talked about, hey, here's what's working. Here's what we're trying to accomplish with that. Here's our purpose for doing it. And uh, and here's what didn't work for us. I, I really appreciate that when farmers talk about what, what works and why and also what doesn't work and why. Uh, of course, Kip Cullors is always great about that stuff, too. Uh, he's tried a lot of different things and, uh, yeah, not afraid to share when something doesn't work. And I think we have to keep this in mind as plant growth hormones. Um, they, you can, like Kip had said, you are playing with fire a little bit. So know what your purpose is and what you're trying to accomplish. I, I like the temple talked about, hey, I'm putting mega grow in furrow. Here's why. I'm trying to get a bigger root system early so I can take in more nutrients early. And that's important. And Kip said the same thing. He mentioned one of the ingredients in, in MegaGrow, IBA, that, hey, I like IBA early to try to get that root system growing. And, you know, if that's your goal, there's a way to accomplish it. And, you know, a gibberellic acid, getting that plant to grow a little taller and have more elongation, uh, you, you got to know when you're going to apply that and, and be timely. Like Temple didn't talk about... Um, using it like we are post-emerge. You talked about how it didn't work for him when he did it in furrow and uh, at the rate that they were doing it and so forth. So do do look at these types of things. And also the other factor that the guys mentioned was the weather. If you've got favorable weather to apply, then do it. If you have weather that's not favorable, then you're probably better off sitting on the sideline for a little bit and wait for things to turn around in a few days. We've tried a lot of different PGRs, plant growth regulators, plant growth hormones, and a whole bunch of different natural products on our own farm and in the research that we do through a bunch of different states. And yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you. I would just say there are a lot of things we've tried that haven't worked, and that's quite frankly why we don't talk a lot about them, because we're trying to figure out, okay, what actually does work? And timing is important. Uh, there, are just, there are a lot of things that go into it. But when we have the crop prices we have today, I'm all for trying new stuff. And so if you're listening today and you're wondering, hmm, I'm not quite sure what to do, try a couple, three things. Just try it on a small scale. See what you get for result. But again, with today's crop prices and the yield potential that's out there, you know, I, I think just about everybody's looking for anything that could possibly be done to increase yields a little bit. All right, let's jump back to the Ag PhD mailbag. I got a question from Lee out in Montana. He says, we've got some sainfoin fields. Uh, it's a legume very similar to alfalfa. These are under wheel line irrigation. we got lots of cheatgrass, though. Is there a herbicide that'll kill the cheatgrass and not hurt the legume too bad? Well, Lee, about the only thing I know of is going to be clethodim. And I, when you look on, and I, I, I just did look on at least one clethodim label, I don't even see that crop on there, but I know clethodim has been labeled for that crop in the past. So you can certainly talk to your retailers out there and just make sure you've got a clethodim that's actually labeled for it. But yeah, that should work just fine. Just make sure you're using the highest labeled rate because clethodim is great on foxtails. It's, uh, I'd say, good on cheatgrass, but you got to have a really strong rate. All right, next question is from 
Justin. He said, yesterday on your Ag PhD radio update that you guys do, you're talking about boron and sulfur. Well, I use dry urea and ammonium sulfate at side dress. Can I add dry boron? I've never done it at that point. Will there be burning or crop damage to my corn? And by the way, I do already have boron and elemental sulfur applied pre-emerge dry and then ammonium thiosulfate and liquid boron in the 2 by 2 on each side of the row. But my CEC is 5 to 15. My organic matter is 2 to 3.5%. So I may have lost some. What do you guys think? Darren, what are your thoughts? Well, I like to have soil test results and plant tissue test results to kind of see what have I got out there. Uh, that would be a good way to know. It doesn't cost a lot of money. Pick a 5 CEC area and a 15 CEC area and, and start the learning process there. Um, you know, can can you do dry boron later? You could, um, but... My, okay, I don't so, know. It sounds like you've already made two applications. I, right. I, think I, I think you've spent enough money on boron. Most likely. So it's possible if you had excessive rain that maybe all your borons leached away. But remember, boron le- leaches at a slower pace, a much slower pace than nitrogen. So, yeah, usually we aren't super worried about it, especially if you've already applied twice. But maybe it might help. Now, here's my bigger concern. Dry boron over the top of the crop. I already don't like dry urea over the top of the crop. Do guys do it all the time? Sure. Even Kip Colors is talking about he does it on his own farm. I just, I'm not comfortable with it because I just don't like the burn. It just doesn't make me feel good. Yes, usually it's just cosmetic, but I just don't like it. And when you add dry boron to that, you're going to have even more burn. So if you do it, just make sure that that corn is really dry. It can't have any moisture at all on it because we don't want those, that dry fertilizer to stick to the leaves. Thanks for the question. All right, next one. This is from Jeff in Minnesota. He says, I know you guys like to keep your Roundup concentrated. So in other words, like 10 gallons per acre is all you're using. But I need coverage too because I got sugar beets with a cover crop of oats. Now my beets are only four leaf, but my oats are four to eight inches tall. And what I want to spray is Roundup, Stinger, Nortron, Ammonium Sulfate, and an adjuvant. Well... I, what, what what should I do? I've been thinking about going 15 gallons, maybe 12 and a half gallons using standard XR nozzles. I, I don't know what to do. Um, I just would feel a little bit better about my coverage with the flat fans uh, so I can reduce my gallons per acre just a little bit. But then um, I, with flat fans, I have a little more drift risk. So long story short, how low would you go gallon-wise per acre and with what nozzle in this situation? Okay, so we... At our soybean agronomy workshop this winter, we showed everyone a study out of the University of Missouri because there's a lot of cover crop now done across the country, and a lot of people are trying to spray in your situation, really more pre-emerge than post like you're talking about here, but the same rule basically applies. So what they found is if the cover crop was less than 18 inches tall, then the residual herbicide still actually could be included with the burn down and you'd get pretty good residual. The other thing is, just so you know, Iowa State had a study showing that 70 to 90% of residual herbicides washed off corn residue with 2.7 inches of rain, with the majority coming off with just 0.6 inches. So, so my point is, if you were worried about any residual out of the Nortron and Stinger, 
I'm not that worried about that because your oats are still quite small. Now, in terms of getting coverage on a weed that's down in that canopy, yes, I totally get it. That's going to be a little harder. So what we usually like to do is go to a little smaller spray droplet. It doesn't have to be just the standard XR flat fans. Darren, maybe you can talk more on that in just a second. But yeah, I mean, honestly, I'm typically running 10 gallons and I don't want to go over 10 gallons with the Roundup. But if you feel more comfortable at 12 and a half or 15, it's not the end of the world because your main products out there are the Stinger and the Nortron anyway. Plus, you also could bump your rate of Roundup just a little bit and that would compensate for the additional water that you put out there. So I would just say I'm not super concerned about any of this, whether you're on 10, 15, uh, or, or 12 and a half, whatever it is, I think you're probably going to be fine. Darren, what do you think? Well, I think so too. You just have to be fussy about what day you're out there. So you're going to need a little smaller droplet to try and get good coverage. So you want to have a day that's a three to five mile an hour wind, ideally, as you're buzzing through there. But you got a whole bunch of different products. It does make it a challenge to get exactly the right uh, spray volume and spray pressure and tips and all those things. So you, you got to err on the side. I have to get great coverage to make this thing work. Let's go 10 gallons, but let's spray on a day where the wind is ideal. All right, Jeff, thanks a lot for the question. We appreciate that and best of luck to you out there. Okay, right after this break, we get a question about what is more important, uniform emergence in corn or planting depth? We'll answer that question right after this. With superior materials, craftsmanship, and best-in-class warranty, a Morton machine storage or workshop is built to stand the test of time. To learn how we can help you expand your farm operation, visit mortonbuildings.com. Get an extra semi-load out of your grain bin. The end zone from Farm Shop MFG can increase your stored beans moisture from 10 to 13%. On a 20,000 bushel bin, that's a free extra semi-load. Visit farmshopmfg.com for more. At Corteva AgriScience, we want to keep farms healthy and productive, today and tomorrow. That's why we're investing in a robust pipeline of naturally derived biologicals. Meet Nutrition and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer. It's a sustainable nitrogen fixation product that facilitates crop growth and optimizes yield potential. With the fluctuation in fertilizer prices, Utricia N is a reliable solution. It can be used alongside your traditional nitrogen program to enhance your ROI this year. For more information, visit Corteva.us. Come to the Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event this summer. Here at Ag PhD, we're always looking for ways to support and encourage folks entering the ag industry. That's why we're devoting a full day, Saturday, June 25th, to the free Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event. Though this day is geared towards high school and college students as well as young farmers, anyone with a desire to learn more about agronomy is more than welcome. Our hands-on sessions in the field will include a comprehensive guide to scouting, ways to improve soil and crop health, the role of natural microbes in farming, and how to best collect and manage on-farm data. Plus, we're giving away tens of thousands of dollars in scholarships to eligible attendees. So whether you're a college student or just want some good agronomy information, this is one event you won't want to miss. It's the Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships Day, Saturday, June 25th on the Hefty Farm near Baltic, South Dakota. Learn more and register at agphd.com. Thank you. 
what does it really mean to provide the best crop nutrition? With AgroLiquid, it means getting a one-of-a-kind approach, one that caters to your specific agronomic needs. You're getting experts who will work with you to create a program unique to your operation, all while accounting for the quality of your soil and the products you're already using. It's not just a product, it's peace of mind, knowing we've thought of everything. That's the AgroLiquid way. Apply less, expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. In a world of Veltima fungicide. Hey, let's do it less dramatic. Just say Veltima fungicide. Okay, Veltima fungicide. No, that's literally the same. Veltima fungicide. Still doing it. Veltima fungicide does it. Seriously, we just need you to say Veltima fungicide. Swift, simple, and secure. Didn't I? Veltima fungicide from BASF in cornfields this summer. Always read and follow label directions. Welcome back. This is Ag PhD Radio. I'm Brian Hefty along with my brother Darren. Live from the Morton studio today. We've been talking about plant growth regulators and plant growth hormones, but right now we're in the middle of the Ag PhD mailbag. Our next question comes from Roger in Minnesota who says, Guys, I appreciate the podcast, um, and but here's a question I got for you. So each winter I read publications and listen to people who tell me I need to plant my corn at an inch and three quarters to two inches deep. But I also read about the importance of even emergence. So I've done trials on my farm with planting depth. Now we can achieve pretty uniform emergence when we plant shallow, like one and a quarter inches. But when we plant two inches deep, we cannot achieve uniform emergence. So for example, I get full emergence in about four days when I plant at two inches deep, whereas I can get full emergence in two days when I plant an inch and a quarter deep. We farm heavy black soils and we do have pretty good drainage and we're in a strip till system. So my first question is, what is more important, uniform emergence or planting depth? Well, look, Roger, uh, they're, they're both important. So I'd like to have them both. But honestly, for me, I've seen enough studies over the years where if I don't plant my corn close to two inches deep, I'm not maximizing yield. So for me, my answer is planting depth. Darren, your answer? Planting depth. Yep. All right, next one. He says, this past winter, we built a strip freshener, because keep in mind, he's in strip till, to clear and freshen these strips a couple days ahead of the corn planter, and we hope to get a more uniform emergence when planting at a two-inch depth. What we found was all the corn kernels emerged two days sooner where the strips were freshened. And Roger, I agree with you. We found the same thing. However, he says, the emergence still took four days for all corn plants to emerge where we freshened and four days when we did not. Both areas were planted two inches deep. So my second question is, does corn emerging two days sooner in the freshened rows translate to higher yields? Uh, unfortunately, most of the time it does not. Now, it's possible that it might because here's the thing. You have, when, when you have faster emergence, that does mean you're going to have drier corn in the fall. So that's the one thing I can guarantee you. I just can't guarantee you that it's going to be more yield. Sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. Part of that is due to when does the weather hit? When do your rains hit? When does your heat hit in regards to pollination? So I would say most of the time we do not find that emerging two days sooner makes much difference in terms of yield, but it does make a difference in terms of dry down in the fall. Darren, any other thoughts on that? Yeah, 
tassel faster, it dries down faster, and it's certainly a profitable thing for that to happen. So, yeah, we like that fast emergence. It doesn't necessarily mean you're going to have more yield, though. Okay, here's our next one. This is from Robert and or Bob, and he is talking about side dressing. Well, he did some pre-side dress nitrate tests, and he's a little concerned that he needs to add more nitrogen. So here's the story. He took his pre-side dress nitrate tests at 12 inches deep, and he just sent this question in just a little bit ago. So it was must must be fairly recently done here. Anyway, he says our soil can produce about 220 bushels per acre. We got a medium loam silt soil. And when I looked at his soil tests, because he also sent those from earlier in the season, he's got about 3 to 3.5% three organic matter in his soil. Well, anyway, he says we planted corn on corn the last three years. And so I'm just, I'm concerned that I got to put more nitrogen on. So this is what we top dress at planting on 240 acres. And let's see, it looks like 50 pounds of urea, 125 pounds of potash, and then starter blend on the planter is about 110 pounds of liquid 28% with a little bit more nitrogen getting out there with the 10340 and some with 120024. So anyway, what I'm saying here is he's got about, let's see, it looks like just doing the simple math, about 170 pounds he's applied. But here's the problem. Um, and first of all, I would say his tests are at 12 inches deep. Oh, and I did get, Bob, your second email here just talking about you put some lime on, egg lime, uh, egg lime and then you put some ProCal on some liquid to hopefully raise your pH a little bit, so that's good. But anyway, if I'm reading this right, this looks like he's only got 20 pounds of nitrogen in his pre-sidrus nitrate test. And, I mean, maybe I'm missing something here. Maybe I'm not reading this right. But if he's only got 20 pounds, that's unbelievably concerning to me. Now, his lab here says with 20 um, and, let's see, soil yield potential high or very high, he only needs to put on about 60 more pounds. And so he's asking, should I put that 60 pounds on? Um, Well, to me, yeah, I'm going to put that on and then some. Because what I fear is happening is if you've had a lot of corn on corn, you're getting a lot of tie-up into that residue. Now, granted, I don't know how much rain you've had or what all's going on in that soil, but if you've already put on 170 pounds, there's no way you've used 150 pounds already. So that tells me that a bunch of that is getting tied up. Will some of that come available during the growing season? Absolutely. And will we get some nitrogen out out of the organic matter? Definitely. But I, I, I would just say we, we are concerned that we, well, I, I just, I can't believe it. it's only showing 20. And if, if my tests only show 20, um, I'd be putting on 200 pounds, not 60 pounds, and going for similar yield to, to what you're talking, 220 bushels plus. So, well, I probably wouldn't put 200. I probably put 100, 120 on, something like that. Darren, what do you think about this? Well, it's a 12-inch sample. I'd love to see a 24-inch sample. Yep. So I'd go right back out and see, all right, is it down a little deeper now? Here's the other thing. You may say, I don't know if I trust what's down 24 inches I'm going to get, uh, which you're kind of crazy. If you're digging corn roots, you're going to see a ton of roots down that far. 
but maybe you'd say, okay, let's pull a 12 to 18 inch and an 18 to 24 inch yeah. and see where it's at in each of those six inch profiles. Whatever. It's just a little bit more digging. It doesn't cost much money to do. I would sure get more information. Yeah. So I, I'm just, I'm, I'm concerned. Now I, I forgot to mention he's got an eight CEC soil. So it's not going to hold a lot normally. So he actually could have had some leaching if he's had excessive rain. All right. Uh, next question here is from Norm in British Columbia. And he says, I am interested in drain tile for some wetter fields. I know you had an episode on tile drainage a while back, and I'm wondering if you could send me that link. So, uh, yes, Norm will try to do that for you. Also, you'd mentioned an article where uh, there was a study performed by, I believe it was University of Guelph, on the benefits of tile drainage. Can you give me some more information on that? Yes, Norm, that is, it's called Environmental Benefits of Tile Drainage. We talk about this often. It's a summary of, I believe, 86 different tile studies over decades. And, well, it's just like the, the title suggests, Environmental Benefits of Tile Drainage. We say it all the time, but when tiling is done right, it is one of the best things that you can possibly do for the environment and for your overall soil life. Because if you don't have good drainage, you don't have good air levels in the soil, which means you cannot have good roots, you cannot have great soil life. And so for anybody, I don't care if you're organic or conventional farming or anything, I mean, you've got to have good soil life out there if you want top yields. All right, uh, I got time for one more question here. This one's from CF. And he says, I'm planting clearfield sunflowers in the spring, applying glyphosate for a burn down, then applying Beyond and Clethodim post-merge. So here are my questions. Let's say that I wanted to put Treflan or Sonalan with my Spartan and glyphosate and apply them at the same time. Uh, tillage won't be much more than two to four inches deep. Can I do that? Yes, you absolutely can. Now, Prowl is the no-till product. So if you want to go with no-tillage, you use Prowl. If you want to go with trifluralin or Sonalan, absolutely do that. That's our top recommendation, getting one of the yellows out there with Spartan and glyphosate because now you're going to have a couple different effective modes of action pre-emerge. I don't mind that it's just two to four inch deep tillage. That's fine. Okay, if the answer to question one is yes, I can do it, what's the timing uh, that I need for these to do their job just right before planting. I mean, if you want to do it a day or two before planting, till it in, plant, that's what I would do. And he says, will this impact the sprouting, growing development of the sunflowers? Look, CF, if you could get by and wave a magic wand and all your weeds disappeared, that would be better than any herbicide. Okay, all herbicides are going to some degree negatively impact the crop because the crop has to metabolize them. So I love it if we didn't have to use any. Now, is it going to be excessive on your damage to the sunflower? No way. I, I, I've never seen that ever. So I'm not worried about it, but I'm just saying, sure, uh, there's going to be some minor impact there. So just so you know, that is coming, but nothing to get real concerned about. You got to have great weed control and it's got to be done pre because we just don't have much post-emerge to kill most weeds. All right, before we go, just want to say thanks to our production staff. My sister Janelle was running the controls. Thanks to everybody who called or wrote in with questions. Thanks for listening. We'll see you again tomorrow.